Hello, hello. Hey up, what's up, what's good? Que cosa sucede? Ni hao, priviet. Welcome to the Any Given Runway Show. I'm your host, Randall Carlton Green. Any Given Runway celebrates the exploration of new cultures by highlighting some of the most interesting, intellectual, and artistic people in the world. Everyone has a story. Each person a scholar. Oh man, we have a terrific show for today with a multi-talented guest, comedian, writer, singer, performer, a little bit of everything, Matt Bouchelle joins the show. Matt's work is everywhere. I, it's hard to pinpoint when it was that I first was introduced to his talents, but I found that I repeatedly kept seeing his videos because they were just outstanding. They're, they're hilarious takes on society from an amazing song called The Guy You Slightly Know It Work to his takes on teachers in the pandemic, but it was his video comparing the pandemic situation to the sinking of the Titanic that stood out. The thing is, I have a constitutional right to not wear the life jacket. It's actually only bad where the iceberg hit the boat. Everything else is fine. Like, my area of the boat is safe. Don't you think it's weird? Don't you think it's a little weird that it's an election year and we're talking about an iceberg? Who set this up? Why are we talking about an iceberg in an election year? I'm just saying we wouldn't talk about it as much if it wasn't an election year. I heard the iceberg is a democratic hoax. I don't know if you read anything about that. First it was life jackets, now we gotta get in the lifeboats. It's weird you keep contradicting yourself. Oh, a lifeboat will save my life. That's an interesting way to look at it, but I have a card I will show you right now where my doctor says I don't have to get in a lifeboat. The video went viral on many different platforms, and if you haven't seen it, stop what you're doing and go check it out. Matt also composed and performed a video for Netflix. We watched it all. That looks back on the year's shows, including Tiger King, The Queen's Gamut, Emily in Paris, and The Crown. Matt's consistently making me laugh, and I knew I had to have him on the show. Comedians are some of my favorite people to chat with, because they're often some of the most intelligent people on Earth. And on today's conversation, Matt and I dive a little bit deeper on how he finds creativity, but also how he stays fresh in the fast-paced world of creating social media videos. Matt also discussed about how running has become his form of meditation, and now it's his daily runs through New York City that helps both clear his mind and inspire him for new content. Finally, Matt chats about how creating across multiple platforms and multiple disciplines is beneficial and why he loves adding a musical aspect to many of his comedic productions. Easily, easily, easily one of my favorite conversations of the year. Matt was incredible. He's hilarious, he's intelligent, but he's also a deep thinker. And I strongly feel that comedians often solve a lot of problems by taking what's funny about a situation, serves as a teaching tool, and allows us to see the other side of a situation or to view situations through a different lens, allowing us to change our own perspective, change our own paradigms. Be sure to check out his videos. Start with the Titanic one, move on to the teacher ones. But so much great content on his pages. Thrilled for everyone to meet him. So let's go ahead and bring on comedian, performer, thinker, reader, a little bit of everything. Someone that I'm really glad I met, Matt Bouchelle. And let's learn. The last year has been challenging for many, especially creatives. So how do you handle the day-to-day uncertainty that has come with the last year? Um, you know, I, I try to think about myself and my family and my friends first before my like, creative stuff, because at the end of the day, I'm not like, uh, uh, I, I know the kind of stuff I put out there helps people laugh and helps people find some sanity amidst the insanity. But at the end of the day, my motivating factor has been like, am I keeping the people in my life safe? And am I doing everything I can to not, uh, you know, spread this damn virus? <laughs> and and that's been like my goal in the past year. And then if I can find something that's absurd and I feel like I have a take on it or, or I find some kind of hypocrisy, usually in the Republican Party, I, I, if I find a place where I can like point something out and do it in a way that feels novel, uh, I go for it. But I know what I'm doing isn't like saving lives, but it's it's motivating to find new ways to kind of criticize this moment and, and you know, bring that to a bunch of people. You know, when I've talked to other writers uh, who, who make political jokes as well, I always say, do you secretly root 
for chaos because chaos gives you so much content and it might be the only way to survive some of the chaos is to make fun of it. So for you, is there plenty of content that already exists or do you root for like this crazy stories and some of the leaders that exist? I, I do not root for chaos. <laughs> I root for, uh, I want, I want justice. I want equality. I want, I want life to be good for as many people as possible. I want to just play songs. I just want to make songs about silly things. I don't, I don't want to be depressed and anxious and paranoid every time I check my phone and see a news alert. You know? I just want to, I just want to live in a world with a little more stability. And I know that's, that's probably not going to happen anytime soon, but it is, uh, there's a wealth of things I would rather write about than have to talk about, you know, people that don't know how to wear masks, you know, <laughs> it's, it's but, you know with every comedian, it's always like anytime I've ever tried to make a social point, mm-hmm. I've always used a comedic reference to kind of fully put it home to someone who might not understand. It's like, Oh, it's like Dave Chappelle did in his one skit. And there's always, there's always, sure. I think of the Eddie Murphy joke about the first black president as he's running around pretending not to be shot. And that's like, their show is just the mm-hmm. kind of the internal things that happen. So for comedy, it does seem like it's an analyzation of society in many ways. I, I think so. I think that's fair to say. I mean, I don't think I'm, you know, not necessarily a philosopher, but I do yeah. think that, like, metaphor is important. And, and, you know, the humanities are important. The arts are important. And I think sometimes what's going on can seem scary in our world because it's complicated and it seems like there's no, uh, there's no like, rationality to why anything's happening right now and why things are bad. So if I can, if you can make something that breaks it down in a simpler way, whether it's an analogy or you can relate it to something that everyone goes through, I think that can help because it makes you go, oh, I'm not crazy. I'm not freaking out for no reason because everyone can relate. Everyone's been through that. Everyone's experienced that. And if you have to use metaphor or, um, you know, references to film or TV, I think that's why we make things to, to yeah. give each other like the reassurance that like, yeah, we're, we're all in this culture together in this experience. References have been a great part of your videos, especially the Titanic video that went viral. Definitely one of my favorites. In order to have great ideas like your Titanic video, you've got to have a lot of ideas. That's one way to have great idea. You have a lot of them. So how many different projects do you work on at a time? And then what's your motivation? What motivates you when you're looking for creativity? Um, it's a good question. I, I kind of like, I'm, I'm very much of the school of thought of keeping many irons in the fire at once. I try to have a lot of different I figured with you, yeah, yeah. Well, it's just like a, a, a little thing I'll jot down on my phone or a little thing I'll type in a note file on my computer real quick. And I have a, a project folder called Videos to Make. And it's just yeah. a bunch of little like, like potential titles of videos that never end up going anywhere. But I, I always have like some things that I'm kind of thinking about. And they don't always find the marks. So I don't make them, but I find that, and this is maybe cowardly, but I find that like if I have a bunch of ideas, it helps me like, instead of God forbid, I dedicate all my time to one thing. I can always be like, well, I got to work on that instead. I got, I kind of use it as a distraction to stop me from doing the hard work. You coward. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like, it's easier to be like, I mean, what I should do is sit down and write this new pilot I want to write or sit down and write this new musical I want to write. But instead I have them all in the Google docs of like, oh yeah, you've got all these things <laughs> instead of like actually sitting down and doing one at a time. <laughs> but, but yeah, I, uh, what keeps me motivated with that is, um, you know, I just try to draw inspiration of the things that are going on and finding a, a unique way to kind of share my take on what's going on in the world. Yeah. What about setbacks, creative setbacks that do occur? I've also heard that one way to overcome that is, is to have a lot of projects. Like you said, that is a, a positive thing about having multiple projects. If you're stumped on one, you can move to the other. But what other steps do you use when you're having a creative setback? Mm, I complain a lot to mm-hmm. everyone around me. I say I Perfect. feel very stupid. I feel very not funny. <laughs> I do. I, I whine a lot. I, I just like, I get frustrated when there's something that's so apparent that's pissing me off and I can't figure out like what the take is. Um, 
but something that helps me is um, I like running a lot. I try to run every day. And when I run, I don't bring my phone with me. It's kind of like the only time in my life mm. where uh, uh, I'm not looking at a screen or thinking about a screen. And, I'm I'm just too, yeah. There. yeah, and it's helpful because sometimes you'll, you'll overhear a bit of a conversation at a, at a red light or you'll like, you'll see someone with a dog or just anything can kind of trigger a memory or a thought or you're like, Oh yeah, I want to talk about that kind of thing. Or, oh, and I, I really get a lot of inspiration out of running, but I also get a lot of motivation from playing piano and playing music. If I'm, if I'm trying to do something comedy wise, sometimes like the answer's right in front of me. I'm like, Oh, this could be a song or oh, this could be like, <laughs> you're right there. You just needed to like plunk around on the keyboard yeah. a little. And now this whole idea is taking shape and becoming, you know, something better than what you originally thought it could be. With social media, ideas can be popular incredibly fast, but at the same time, the tension spans I feel are smaller, right? So you can move on to the next. If you, you can scroll mid-video. If you're not enjoying the video, you can scroll away. And also viral ideas are quickly copied. For you, every video you've made, there's been 10 people copying it or moving fast with it. <laughs> so, so with all that, with all that, how do you stay fresh? I know that some of it you've mentioned is just getting out there and exploring, but how do you stay fresh and keeping up with the times? Um, I... I, I appreciate you thinking I, I do because I sometimes I beat myself up about that because like you said, there's so many people doing like online comedy mm -hmm. and there have definitely been moments where I've thought of like an idea and like I'll be scrolling on Twitter and I'll see someone do it in a way that is way funnier than what I was thinking anyway. And I'm like, oh, they got there and they did it in a way sharper angle. Yeah. And like it happens all the time. And so that is a fear. Like I've definitely made videos and felt like, Am I just doing someone else's style here? Or like, like in my lowest points, you know, you do feel like, oh, am I like, is it imposter syndrome? Is it like, am I just copying everyone else? But at the end of the day, like, you know, you, there's certain things I know I'm, I'm good at and I try to stick to my wheelhouse. And a lot of that tends to be like the music stuff. And it's, yeah, I mean, you're always going to like be inspired by what everyone else is doing, but I think there's ways you can stand out. It's just... You just got to look into what's going on and see what's out there and try to not be doing something that feels stale. I mean, you know, like when you're doing something, you just know when you're doing like something kind of hacky or like this has been done or sure, I think I have a fun take here, but I feel like I've already seen like this done five times. And yeah. it's, it's, it's so fast moving on the internet that like you could, you could be putting up a video that like hours after someone else did and you never would have known. And so it's just like trying to be on top of that stuff and yeah. not repeat and too much. That's kind of my second question about staying fresh is that not only do you have to stay fresh and be innovative, but you also got to do it faster than ever before. Now, the content is just improved. The level of content we have across the spectrum is, is fantastic. So not only do you have to come up with great ideas, especially if it's timely, if it's about a social shoot, you got to hit right away. Does that play yeah. a role in into it as well? Are there time? You mentioned, you know, if you do it an hour later, I mean, sometimes that you want to be first, but you want to have great content. So you have this battle that you got to face. Yeah, absolutely. It's like, yeah, it's tricky because sometimes you – you're like watching a big thing develop and you're like, oh man, I want to get out there with my funny version of it. But also sometimes it like doesn't call for that. Like, like maybe I'll just like wait till the full details come out. So I don't say something that that's, is like, that's a good point. So yeah. off color yeah. the day later when more details come out of something it's, it, I feel like really compelled. It is like, I hate to say it cause everyone says this kind of stuff, but it is like a gut feeling. Like if I really feel like I have a take on something that feels right, I'll try to do it as quick as possible and get it out there. But sometimes it is better to like, it's, it can be frustrating because I like to make things and I, I always feel like I want to be making stuff to be putting out there. So it can be frustrating to like go to bed and be like, oh, you didn't really write that much today. You didn't come up with something. But sometimes when you let these things simmer, the next day you're like, oh, that weird thing I was thinking of, the way you do it is you do it that way, not this way. Like sometimes it does take a couple of days to kind of like let an idea marinate. And then like I know the Titanic video was something I was thinking about for a long time. 
um, because it was just like, it was this hypocrisy of like, don't make me wear my mask kind of thing. And like, and I was trying all different versions of it. I knew I wanted to do a Titanic like analogy, but I was doing it from the angle. Like, I, I can't remember exactly how the video ended up being edited, but like, I didn't come up with the angle of being like the asshole guy to like the last like till the day of, I was like, Oh, we'll do it. Like do be that guy and just be like an asshole. <laughs> and, like, and then that, and the whole thing like fixed itself. But I was playing with that for like a week, even though it's just like a 40 second video. I was just like, so frustrated. I was like, what is this you're trying to say? <laughs> it takes some time sometimes. I read a recent book from by John Cleese and he was just saying that, uh, you know, go to sleep on your ideas and you'll wake up and that subconscious will sometimes be the creativity. How about oh, the yeah. pressure that comes with, you've had that viral hit more than once. And I know that when I find new content, whether it be an author, whether it be a writer, whether it be a community or a musician, when you find something you like, the first thing you do is you want to find more. So you scroll and you're like, tell me that this new song, this new artist that I love has a great catalog. And you're always happy it is. When you put out something that's a hit, you've got to follow up with something great. You got to have more content. People are going to keep wanting it. And that's got to be a tremendous pressure on yourself as well, because now maybe the next video you're like, geez, I don't know. Do I, do I put this out there because it's not as good or it's, that's, yeah, you, how do you handle you that pressure? You read it perfectly. I mean, I, I, maybe other people that do what I do don't feel that way, but I feel that way all the time, especially if it's like a video that gets like, like a ton of new followers for me. Yeah. And then I'm like, you don't want to lose them. Yeah. Well, well, then I fire <laughs> off like an absolute shitty tweet. I'm like, that's, that's not the thing they came for. <laughs> like, I'm like, damn it. Like, yeah. Yeah. like, it is kind of funny. Sometimes I'll just be tweeting things and forget some of the people that follow me. I'm like, there's no way they're sticking around for that one. <laughs> like, <laughs> But uh, no, I mean, it's a pressure, but it, it's like, I, it's like, I'm human. I go in my, my, I come in and out of my moods. Like sometimes I'm very like, I'm very mindful of that. And I'm like, you got to give them something good. Other times I'm just firing off like the dumbest shit in the world. So I'm just like, what a, like it's, it's, it's Twitter at the end of the day. I, I've had enough like success on there that I feel very fortunate that anyone's found me and shared my stuff. And if like, if, if I, you know, bomb in a video, no one will even remember it the next day. You know, like the stakes, it, it can seem high, but the stakes are low. It's just more when I'm in a, a, like an anxious mood where I'm like, this really matters. This next video is going to make or break you. Like it doesn't matter Mark. that much. Yeah. <laughs> like I try, yeah. to, I try to be mindful of that, but it is like, you're, you're not wrong. On, on the worst days, it is sort of like, we got to deliver, the, the fans are waiting. When in reality, they're just like, they're just like watching reality TV, just like scrolling. They're yeah. not waiting. <laughs> they're true, okay. True. Where did the, where was the, the foundation of your humor? Not necessarily who inspired you, but like, what were the things that you were laughing at in high school? Cause I, I had like my thing and like my guys were like, the, you know, like the movie airplane things on puns and then the movie naked gun. Those, that was, that was my humor. You maybe even something like Billy Madison or dumb and dumber. Like that was my humor. And that's how pretty much my entire life I can go back to. That's what I think is funny. That's what I always think is funny. So for you, what were the earliest shows that or movies that you were like, this is me, this is this, this, this gets me. Yeah, I mean, I was, I'm similar to you, I feel like. I, I was very into, like, the Adam Sandler movies. Like, we watched Happy Gilmore on repeat. We watched, like, Billy Madison. Um, watched, like, a lot of cartoons. A lot of, like, like, when I was younger, a lot of, like, Cartoon Network and stuff. Um, and I just, I feel like I, I grew up in, like, a rural part of Pennsylvania. And I feel like I was just always surrounded by very funny people. I feel mm -hmm. very in that way where like I was very inspired by SNL I was very inspired by like the late night shows and stuff but a lot of just like my friends and family were just very funny people natural storytellers and uh I was just yeah constantly surrounded by people that were always making me laugh and that I think had a bigger influence on me than I realized like it's just as much as any tv show or something your all-time we'll say three maybe four favorite SNL actors performers SNL performers okay I'm gonna say 
I'm going to say Keenan Thompson. Okay. Um, Bill Hader. Okay. Uh, Amy Poehler. And it's a tough one for number four. I'm going to say Fred Armisen. I'm going to say Fred Armisen. That is I like thought you were going to go with uh, Adam Sandler because of the singing aspect. Well, you know, I love that stuff and I love the musical stuff, but I, and I was thinking about Andy Samberg too, because The Lonely Island was a big influence on me, but um, that whole era in general, like no one could do wrong. And I still think Keenan is like all-star sketch performer, maybe the yeah. greatest of all time. <laughs> like he's such a utility. Like he's, I can't believe he's still doing SNL. Like he's, it's a testament to his like, you put him in any sketch and you're going to laugh when he like reacts to anything. He's, he's incredible. Yeah. But. In 2019, you started working several diverse temp jobs that allowed you to have more time to create. So what was, what was that experience like? Um, it was good. I mean, it was survival <laughs> to be honest. Like I didn't think much of it at the time, but I was kind of writing down things that I was experiencing. Um, not that my life is so fascinating, but it was just like, you know, I don't know if you've done any temp office work, um, but it's, you do everything. Like I did data entry. I did mailroom jobs. I did like warehouse organization. And what I remember most about that time was like, it was stressful. You know, I was like under a lot of pressure because I quit my job to do the comedy stuff, but I still had to obviously pay rent. So I was going from like weird office to weird office. So like every two weeks I was having like that first day anxiety of like not knowing anyone being like, hi, I'm, I'm Matt. What do you need me to do? Oh, you're in there. You're just moving boxes for eight hours. You're like, Great, cool. <laughs> it was just like it was a lot of just like meeting new people, learning new faces, going to different offices around Midtown Manhattan, and like um, it, it was fine. I mean, I met a lot of weird people, a lot of nice people, but I'm always I was always getting paid like minimum wage and scraping by. So the memories of like what I was physically doing have been replaced by like all I think about that time was like I can't believe I got through that time, paid my bills, and like made it to a point where I don't really do that anymore because that was like it was a good year and a half of like non-stop temping and it all worked out and thankfully I've, I've had some really fortunate opportunities come up but like yeah i mean that was a crazy time <laughs> just never knowing when the next job would be where it would be and how long it would go and and just feeling like you know i really feel for people to have to do this because it's it's fucking hard work and you never know when you're going to get a day off because you only get money if you work it's it's very gig economy and like that is a different kind of stress when you're at these weird jobs that are like endless monotonous jobs and you're like i don't have sick days because i'm here as a, i'm here to help someone who's sick or something oh yeah so it was a little scary sometimes but in general it was a nice thing to have to make money it was just you know you really are like a like a, a worker for hire you're just flying around going from place to place and knocking no, it out knowing that it was fleeting and that you weren't necessarily going to be there the next day the next week and also that you had a lot of anonymity because the things you were doing were kind of monotonous did you ever have any any inkling of you know uh, today's my name today my name is orlando or today my name is yeah, well, and I, have, <laughs> I have an accent today i'm going to practice my accent today it is funny that you say that because there is very much that attitude of like especially some of the jobs you know they're going to be like two days and some of them they're they're kind of indefinite but yeah. on those two-day jobs you kind of go into it like like people will be like so what's what's your deal what do you do and you're just like what do we got? We don't have to do this. I'm, I'm leaving. Tomorrow's my last day. <laughs> like, it's just kind of like, you, you know, I never went as far as like creating, you know, personas, but it is sort of like, it's interesting what you choose to reveal about yourself when you know you're never going to talk to these people again. You kind of like, it's just like a, 
you know, defense mechanism of just like how you are as a person. You're like, yeah. you don't really socialize when you're like, this is not real. We're not gonna, you're not going to hang out with me after this. Like, I'm, I'm like, I'm always, that was the other thing about tempting that's weird is you're always sort of on the outside. Like yeah. everyone kind of treats you as like, you know, very nicely, but you're just sort of like, like I worked at a startup where it was like, they all had a big like lunch party thing. And you weren't invited at all. No. I didn't get invited to the lunch thing because there was like a speaker and I had to keep working. But afterwards they're like, you can go in and get like whatever's left. And I was like, yes, you just have this feeling of, of just like, what, who am I? <laughs> I'm this guy scraping yeah. the like catering up and like, yeah. just kind of sad. <laughs> hey, well, at least you had potato salad to last you three or four days. I'm sure after that. So. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Your musical project is Bouchelle. I know earlier in our conversation, you talked about music being something that you're interested in. So when did you first become interested in music production? And then the second part I was wondering is how does music help you creatively in your other aspects of life and comedy and your writing? Um, I started playing music when I was a kid. I started taking guitar lessons at a young age. Mm -hmm. And uh, when I got to college, uh, I started playing piano more and learning, learning how to play piano. And a lot of the guitar stuff translated. And... Um, it wasn't until I moved to New York that I really started getting into music production. I had always written songs and, and like kind of played in bands and things, but, but it wasn't until I got to New York that I got like, I got Logic Pro, which is the program yeah. I use to make everything. It's kind of like a, I don't know if you, you're familiar, mm -hmm. but yeah, it's like a souped up garage band. Yeah. And um, I started learning how to, you know, produce and like write drum tracks and do things. And I, I've always kind of separated the two parts of my life with like the music and the comedy. And it wasn't until like the past few years that I've really sort of leaned into combining them. Mm -hmm. So to answer like the second part of your question, um, I mean, the music at this point has like super informed what I do. Like it's all my like opportunities really in the past couple of years that have come up have yeah. been like the musical comedy stuff. And when people talk to me about like, like if, if people do know what I, what I do online, it's almost always the Broadway parody stuff mm -hmm. or it's like some of the original songs that I've done. So I, you know, I, I think I had this weird like, like attitude of like the music is serious and the comedy is the comedy. But like a, a good friend of mine who's written for several late night shows, uh, I remember like she just point blank was like, why don't you do like, why don't you fucking do the comedy stuff? Like you were really good at writing these songs, like write them and make them funny. And, and it really stuck with me because i was like oh you're very successful and i'm sitting here like yeah. <laughs> like being like no i'm an artist i, yeah. so I kind of wow. like i kind of like got rid of that attitude because it literally like it was so stupid to think that mattered you know there's always going to be time to do different projects like just just make stuff that people actually want to listen to you know you know it's a great point especially just in our conversation when we talk about some people that we enjoyed it was one of the reasons we like adam sandler was because of his diversity and that he could do the music exactly. and, and an opera man and everything in snl so exactly. it is that's, that's interesting how that came about. One of your musical projects, you did a year in review music video focusing on the many pop cultural favorites of the year. So looking back, or maybe 10 years from now, how do you think you're going to remember 2020? Pop culture-wise. Mm, pop culture-wise. Um, you know, it'll be interesting. <laughs> I, started, I started journaling in the summer. Have you ever journaled before? You ever Every day, that? yeah. Really? Cool, yeah. that's awesome. I, I literally have never... I know I've written down some things, you know, I write jokes every day and stuff, but like, I, I never like taken the time to write down what's going on. And there was a point in the summer where I was like, this year, you're going to forget how this year felt 10 years from now, two years from now, to be honest, that's just how things go. I don't really remember what I was doing in 2017, 2018, you know? So I was like, I need to start writing down just like two or three paragraphs of how this feels and what's going on. And, and, and I think time will tell how this all went down. I think things are going to change for the better in this country, I'm optimistic because, you know, we saw such a crazy year and, and just culture wise, like 
I mean, there's massive, massive moments with, with uh, an amount of support for the Black Lives Matter movement that we've never seen before. I, I do think there were a lot of bad things, obviously, that happened this year, but there were a lot of monumental moments that I'll remember forever. And like, it, it, from a standpoint of like, culture and media and stuff i mean it was weird i didn't i didn't watch much stuff there wasn't a lot of things coming out it, it really felt like we were kind of like in our own little world for a year I'm waiting uh, yeah yeah just kind of like looking for something to entertain us or give us purpose or give us like you know value um so it was a tricky year it was tricky doing that netflix thing because i didn't want to and they very much didn't want to like be like what a what celebrate you know they didn't want it to be too like yeah what a beautiful thing this this whole year was yeah. so we tried to get the tone right but yeah. uh but i think we found it it's just yeah it's it's just a crazy it's just been a crazy experience and i think everyone's trying to make sense of it still <laughs> like i still don't really i still feel like i'm in 2020 to be honest like it feels like we're still because it's this pandemic you know we're yeah. very much still in a year of it so yeah it doesn't necessarily you know when the, when it changed to january there wasn't like a you know the sun didn't shine any brighter or anything. It, it does feel like it's still looming over us. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Another thing about the last year that's been very crazy is just that outsiders consider New York city as being dead. And I know I talked to one uh, New York pianist who, who mentioned that when she was doing one project, she went outside and she was, there was barely anybody there. It was an ominous feeling for her, but mm. I know that's not, I know New York is not dead as a New Yorker. What's your perspective on the city now? And what makes you the most proud to be living in New York? You know, it's this New York is dead stuff is is crazy to me because I don't have a, like a hot take on it or anything. I haven't like prepared anything. Yeah, I didn't want one. I wanted your genuine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I, I just think it's such a silly thing. I mean, what did this pianist say? Did she she did she mm -hmm. say like did she say she feels it's dead? Like, what's her take? No, on it? no. Every New Yorker I talked to uh, yeah. says, "Go ahead and think what you want to think. We're not dead, and we we actually yeah. think what you want. That's fine. We're going to do our thing." Yeah, it's bizarre. I, I think this happens because. It, it's like, look, like people, it's like in, in sports and music, it's like you, people like to take shots at like the king. You know yeah. what I mean? It's yeah, I, agree. Like, I agree. I agree. And you can say what you want about New York, but it is objectively the greatest city in America. Like it's, yeah. it's a phenomenal place. And I think a lot of times these like New York is dead articles and, and these takes come from a place of like people wanting, like people like seeing it that don't live here because it makes them go. Like, oh, thank God. I'm not. That's why I don't live there. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not missing out. And I, I knew I should have never tried to live there because look, it's dead. It is dead. Like yeah. it, it gives these people like validation. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah. I just think it's bizarre because it's like, it's so, it's never going to die. Obviously cities yeah. don't just die unless there's like something insane that happens. Yeah. So like, yeah. I don't know. I think, I think it's kind of all very foolish because I walk around every day. I run the Upper West Side every day and I see new businesses opening. I see businesses closing, but I see people and I see activity and, and like, it's obviously it's different right now, but it's what, what makes me most proud to live here still is people genuinely care about each other here. It's, you don't see a lot of bullshit with like people not wearing masks. You see people looking out for each other. Um, we have testing sites on every other corner. I feel like it's, it's a place that it doesn't get everything right. But during this pandemic, like, it's been it's been a pretty good place to be during this after that initial like month and a half of kind of scariness it really like it was a place where i felt safer than anywhere else in the country and i yeah i feel lucky that i live with so many neighbors and people that are willing to like take it seriously because i know where my parents live it's it's good but like they can't get a covid test without spending like a ton of money out of pocket and like without waiting in a huge line and like i can literally go down the block and there's a site where it's all free i can 
go as many times as I want. Like that kind of stuff. Like those are the luxuries of living in a big city that, that you know, has the money and the means to like take care of its citizens. So like, I, I feel very fortunate in that way. I love the culture. I love going to a bodega and stepping over three different cats. I mean, Hey, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> you can't, <laughs> to the you point can't that I've even, that yeah, I've even started following on Twitter, bodega cats account just to see. You got to, you got to. <laughs> yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Are you a reader? And if so, what have been, I knew you were, I'm glad you were. Um, so what have been some of the most memorable books that you read recently? Hmm. Look, do you mind if I pull up my list real quick? I am encouraging it. I am excited for it. And, yeah, I, and, well, and even if it's not recent, if it's just anything that just that you want to give sure. a recommendation. Yeah. I want to pull up my list from last year. I keep a list of everything I Wonderful. read each year. Wonderful. Uh, I'm trying to think, what have I read recently? So I put up what I read last year. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as nonfiction, I read this book, Devil in the Grove. It is, um, it's a story about Thurgood Marshall, who was uh, a lawyer at the NAACP at the time. And he was taking on a case of three uh, black men in Florida who were falsely accused of rape. And mm. it's, this, it's a tragic story, but it really highlights you know, how terrible things were back then. And just to get a fair trial was like a miracle and to be spared the death penalty back then was like, it was like a victory. So it was, it was eye opening to how bad things really, really were. By and, Gilbert, and Gilbert I, King. Yes. By Gilbert King. Highly recommend it. Um, See, it's on, it comes, on, on Goodreads. It has a 4.37 rating, which is like stellar. So that's, Oh, cool. Cool. Yeah. That's yeah. I, I can't recommend it enough. It's really, it's really sad. It's really upsetting, but it's, it's uh, it's necessary, man. You read it and you're like, damn, like this is not that far removed from us. This was Florida. I like that though. I like heavy books. I want to like, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Like well, F me up, you, F me up books. Yeah, well, it just gives you a whole different appreciation for things and what people have survived. I mean, it's it's remarkable. But yeah, I really enjoyed that. Um, I read a couple big novels that I really liked. I read Pachinko by Min Jin Lee. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's mm-hmm. kind of it, it spans like multiple generations of uh like a family that moves from korea to japan and it's it's really really good it kind of deals with like the family dynamic and like what what is your purpose with with finding work and like your family and your relationships it's really really solid and another book i loved was called a little life it's by uh i'm gonna botch her name it's hanya yana gihara um but a little life is 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 good and and i'm kind of biased towards that one it's it's Mm. it's about it's about four best male friends um, who kind of go through their adulthood in New York City together. And a lot of it I already is, had it on my list for some reason. That's good. Oh, I already really? had it on my list. Yeah. It's, it's incredible. It's a big one. It's like, it's like 700 pages or something, okay. but it, it reads so fast and it's, it's beautiful. It's another one that's kind of, kind of sad and it won't make you happy, happy, but it's, it's really well written. And anyone that... I do wonder, I would love to talk to some women about their opinions on it, but as, a, as like a male in his young 30s, it is very like, it's, it's really a, like a book about male friendship and camaraderie as you age. And like, I, I think you'd enjoy it because it's, it's hard not to read and be like, start thinking about your own life and the people okay. you're in touch with at this point. And it's good. It was, it was beautiful, man. I teared up like multiple times very reading cool. it. So very cool. yeah, highly recommend that as well. So. And then right now I'm reading The Topeka School. I don't, this is what, this is why I asked a question because I don't know these books. This is fantastic. I read every day. I'm reading like seven books at a time, but I don't know the ones you're mentioning. So yeah, no, I got a New York library membership like a few years ago and it's changed my life because when I hear about an incredible book that's out, I just go on there place it on my like holds and I get a little ding when it's ready. I just take a little walk. It's grab and go during the pandemic. So I just pop in, pop out. And like, I've read so many books that I never would have read. Is that one by Ben Lerner? 
yes, Ben Werner. Okay. Sorry, already, yeah, already on my list. Also, also on my list. So that's oh, you'll cool. like it, man. It's it's a pretty intense one. Um, I'm I'm almost halfway done, I'd say, and it's a little all over the place. Like it takes a minute to get into because it kind of like jumps from like character to character, and like it, it's a little confusing for the first chunk but once you get into it it's really rewarding it's it's kind of a cool. i don't want to say what it's about because i don't yeah, know yeah, yeah. about yet but it is but it's 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 really well done it's just very real and very okay. like it takes place in a moment that's now like they reference you know trump they reference everything that's going on in the world and so cool. it's kind of cool to read like a novel that's written so like well but it's like you know modern times and very yeah, cool it's fun. yeah i find that during this time and maybe you can relate i find that i've been like grabbing less from like I've been moving away from more TV and movies and been really into books because I think I'm just like especially nonfiction I've just been really into like information I just want stuff that is real and like tangible and, like, and I want to feel like I'm learning something because when you're not going to a nine-to-five when you're staying at home most of the time you do sort of feel like am I am I getting better am I improving am I like it's very easy to drive yourself crazy so I've been I've been really like you know just, yeah, books have been really kind of saving my, my life during the pandemic. Well, then I'll recommend one, one more for you. My favorite book of the yeah, year was the, the, the Splendid in the Vile by Eric Larson. Splendid like, in the Vile? Yeah, it's about Winston Churchill during World War II. Oh, dude. See, that's a topic that I don't know much about, and I would it's love true. to know more. You mentioned that you just got into journaling. I can tell you, very introspective. You're very self-aware. Have you used, over the last year, have you used aspects of meditation? That is... I mean, you're, it's like you're reading what I want to be doing. You know, it's like, that's exactly that's why I'm here. That's, we we that's were meant I'm to meet here. each other. Yeah, this is great. <laughs> that's what I want to graduate to. I, I, I say this a lot and I know it sounds just, do you meditate? I mean, every day. Yeah. No, that's, see, that's yeah. great. And I say this and you'll probably like roll your eyes at me, but I really do treat my uh, daily runs and in no, a way as meditation. I agree. It's, it's totally it's, it's, it's a, I have no headphones in. I have nothing on my person except for my keys and my, in my little pocket. And it's like, there are moments where I get out early enough where I'm in Manhattan and I'll run in Central Park and I'm going to see people, but it feels so, yeah. I'll, do, I'll do the loop. It's about six miles, takes me a little less than an hour. And I'm like, it's just time where I'm like, I'm hearing my breath in and out. I'm feeling every step of yeah. my, like, it is very restorative. I do, I do come back from those runs and feel like, okay, the stress has been lifted. You can kind of breathe easier, but, but I haven't, I haven't, really given it an honest shake like mm -hmm. in the room sitting down meditating i i've tried a few times but i've never gotten into a routine and yeah. i always kind of say like my meditation's running but i know it's not like I fair to I, say but it is fair it's very fair yeah maybe it's very fair because what do you I, find works best for you a couple of things i just have like a daily mantra i, I finish the day with even if it's just a minute i do it i use it before i go to bed but i also use it at times where my patience is tested so at traffic light waiting in lines normally in the past it'd be like oh i gotta wait in line at the store now it's like Cool, I get to meditate. And I find that just the wow. really love into my heart, even if it's just a minute, I find like I'm great. And then well, see, it, that's a that's a great presence of mind to have to to even be aware of it when you're standing in line or, or you know at a red light to think, oh great, this is time I can spend thinking. Like and, and, and I got it through travel. I learned it through travel because of all the times yeah. I was stuck waiting in lines. And you'd figure, how can I flip that's this smart. as a positive? And yeah, and or as you I'm like, yeah, I'm sitting in line and I'm like, well, I guess I should just go on Twitter real quick or something. Hey, <laughs> hey, I do plenty of that too. I do plenty sure, of that. Sure, sure, sure. It's yeah, I guess they're not mutually exclusive. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> but you know, in the, when I've talked to when I've talked to uh, ultra marathoners and those are the guys who run for mm -hmm. anything over 26 miles, the guys will do 100 miles at a time. And often, most often, they're not listening to music, not listening to podcasts. And it's their form of meditation. It makes me think of a quote that says, thinking about God while peeling potatoes is not Zen. Zen is peeling potatoes.
Mm. So it's, it's not trying to be like meditative, trying to be introspective. It's just simply doing something where you're not thinking. And that for you, that's running. Yeah. Yeah. Very much. I mean, it is, it's not like a total brain shut off. A lot of times I am like humming stupid (laughs) song ideas or, you know, thinking of things, but it is like, it's a complete removal from text messages, from email, from the news, from, you know, it's literally just like, I know for that one hour I'm out or sometimes longer, two hours, like it's just time where I know that I'm not going to have to like talk to a single person if I don't want to. And it's, yeah, it's kind of like, I look forward to that. That's why this, the winter is kind of tough here because it is so, that's why I was asking how nice it is in Arizona because it's, it's so damn cold here that like my runs have been reduced to like two days a week on days where it's like above 30 and it's still like, I'm out there like, oh God damn, like I'm freezing out here. <laughs> yeah. Cause not only but, is it just like in the past, you could just go out for a run. Now it's like, you got to get bundled up. You got to do this. Exactly. You do all these things. You got to like prepare for war and it's, it's yeah. a little less meditative and a lot. A lot more like, yeah, it feels like I'm going out to battle. <laughs> I do think your runs are very meditative, but I also would just encourage you to, to give it a whirl and try it. Even yeah, if like, no, do, I'm, do I'm for like 30 seconds tonight, only 30 seconds. Yeah, Cause I know that's inspired that by the affirmations though. It's, it's really, it's really cool that you do that. And it's cool that you have it down to like a mantra that makes you feel, uh, that makes you feel better. I mean, that's yeah. something that I, that I'm missing for sure. So I, I like that. It's yeah. Give, give it a whirl. Give it a whirl. I think, I think for you, someone who's introspective and as smart as you are, I think, I think you'll find benefit. Uh, well, that's, that's very kind. Maybe, maybe too much. But I'll, try, <laughs> I'll try to live up to your, yeah, your expectations. This has been awesome. Such a wonderful conversation. And I know you're always working on a lot of different things. So what can we expect? What are the projects and plans and goals for, for 2021 or the continuation of 2020, which it seems like we're still in? Yeah. <laughs> Well, I hope we can expect a whole lot of very lucrative things. <laughs> I, hope, I hope I continue to work, but you know, um, I don't have anything like big to announce yet, but I do um, encourage everyone that wants to see what I do to follow me on Twitter or on Instagram. Uh, it's Matt Bouchelle. That's just M-A-T-T-B-O-O-S-H-E-L-L. Um, yeah, it's just comedy videos. I, I post some original music up there and, uh, you know, I, I'm, I have a lot of goals for this year. I, you know, I want to finish a musical I'm writing. I want to write another half hour TV show and try to get that out there. And I'm, I'm open-minded to wherever the road leads at this point. I, I just want to keep making cool shit and, and find people that enjoy that stuff and collaborate. And we'll see how the year turns out, but hopefully we can all be in the same room soon and be, be making stuff. But yeah, this is great. You're so good at this, man. I appreciate like, it. Thank you. Yeah, this is perfect. Um, that's going to stay in the episode. Know. I'm gonna, That's not going to be fat. That's trim. That you're so good at that. That's gonna. <laughs> yeah, that's how. That's the tease. I gotta say, you're really good at this. <laughs> it's like welcome to this episode. I hope we chat again, man. This was really yeah, fantastic. Anything you need, reach out to me, man. I, I super appreciate this. So and I'll be following me. you along every step of the way, supporting you wherever I can. Oh, so. thanks, man. Hope to talk soon. Cool, man. Talk to you later. Later. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening. Much appreciation to Matt. Wasn't he fantastic? Be sure to give him a follow on Instagram. Lots of great content. You won't regret it. He'll definitely have you laughing. You can follow him, Matt, M-A-T-T, Bouchelle, B-O-O-S-H-E-L-L. My new book, Curiosity, is currently available on Amazon. Curiosity celebrates the knowledge that strangers have to offer. Everyone has unique expertise and endless wisdom awaits the perpetually curious. Featuring 200 episodes from the Any Given Runway Show, Curiosity explores the diverse lives of athletes, adventurers, and performers. From daring voyages across the Atlantic to unforgettable performances in the West End, curiosity celebrates the sophisticated thing we call life. Everyone has a story. Each person is a scholar. Thank you for listening. Fill up that passport. I'll see you on the road. Aviento. Aviento.